0: do feel free to grab a a church Bible and turn with me to 2 Timothy. It's on page 1195, 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to begin at verse 8 and take it to the end of the chapter. So let's begin with uh, verse 8. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygellus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Anisiphorus because he often refreshed me and was ashamed of, and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at that passage this morning. We're in week two of our new sermon series going through this book of 2 Timothy. Now um, this week uh, Catherine's has been having a bit of a, uh, a tidy-up, a post-Christmas clear-out. And uh, so she was looking over some of the old books on our bookcases and to see which ones we could get rid of. Now, uh, rather than suggesting any one of the number of Penguin classics that she uh, likes to read, she asked uh, me one evening uh, whether I'd like to keep those new scientist books, those new scientist books. Now, by this, she meant a few books that I have, like uh, this one which is entitled, Why Are Orangutans Orange? Why Are Orangutans Orange? And these books, I've actually got three of them, are filled with questions uh, about a range of things that we just take as they are. They provide you with answers to questions that you didn't even realize you wanted the answers for. And so um, I, I, I wanted to, in the end, yes, we are good to a free home, if you want any of these books, by the way. Um, we are uh, decluttering, we are getting rid of them, um, but I thought I'd take one quick glance over, you know, so I t- took a quick glance over, and then uh, I had to go pick up the kids one day after school. Uh, Catherine was in college, so I picked up the kids after school, and I thought I'd, I'd give them a question each. So I asked them, How, how's, your, how's your day been? And um, one of our children uh, said that they have been studying longitude and latitude, so I thought, right, gonna ask you a question on that, yeah? And I said to them, what time is it at the North Pole? What time is it at the North Pole? Now, they didn't know, but theoretically, it is any time that you want it to be, because the lines of longitude all meet at the North Pole. So you might say, as a smaller side, that in this regard, the North Pole happens to be the ideal home um, for uh, the politician. It's the ideal home for the politician, because in response to the question, you know, what time is it? What time is it? He or she can honestly answer, well, what time do you want it to be? So. Uh, that was the first question. Uh, then I found out that one of our children are doing a topic at school called the Frozen Kingdom. And so I asked this question Why don't penguins? feet freeze? Why don't penguins' feet freeze? Well, the answer is because they can actually control uh, their blood flow to their feet, which reduces heat loss to their bodies. And it helps them keep their feet just a few degrees above zero, which actually stops their feet sticking to the ice. And for some reason, our children found this hilarious, the fact that penguins' feet might actually uh, freeze to the ice. Uh, Although it did actually help me, I thought, oh, maybe that's my problem, because I have really cold feet and hands, so maybe I'm a bit penguin-like, so I'm not quite sure. Um, So three questions, uh, three children, so I thought I'd ask them a question that they might actually want to know the answer for. I said to them, do you know why snot is green? And in response, all three of them went, yes, we do, dad. Yeah. They actually knew that answer. Uh, it turns out that they've just recently watched an episode of Operation Ouch, which they are big fans of, um, and, uh, and that question was addressed on that program, Operation o- Ouch. So uh, I'll let them tell you the answer, should any of you be interested about why is Green. So answers to questions we never knew we wanted the answer to. Answers to things that we just take for granted. Now that leads us onto the question that I want us to think about today. And it's simply this. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? It's a question that many of us uh, take for granted, but perhaps not many of us have actually really thought about in great detail. What actually is the gospel? How would you answer that question if someone asked you, what is the gospel? Well, first we need to ask the question, what does the word gospel mean? The word gospel literally means um, uh, good news. That's what the word gospel means. So, on one level, the gospel is good news. So, uh, that's what the gospel is. But in our passage, we see that to speak of the gospel is to speak of salvation. And we see this in our opening verse. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us. Almost everywhere that we see the word gospel being spoke on, spoken of, yeah, there's also this, it also speaks of that word salvation. So for example, just three weeks ago, believe it or not, we were celebrating Christmas and and announcing the birth of Jesus. The angel proclaimed these words. The angel said, do not be afraid for I bring you gospel, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born. The gospel is is about salvation and ever since the glad tidings of great joy were announced that first christmas day followers of jesus have recognized that the gospel the good news is of salvation so that's a question dealt with we can all go home or is it because it leads to another question if you think about it what is salvation what is salvation Right, this Christmas, we received uh, a lovely uh, gift of a Christmas tree ornament. Now, this wasn't a decoration for a Christmas tree, although we like those as well. Um, this was an ornament of a Christmas tree. So it's a Christmas tree ornament. And it came with a little cryptic note. And it says, Think Russian doll. So it's like this sort of like hard Christmas tree ornament. And it said, Think, Chris- uh, think Russian dolls. Think Russian dolls. That's what the cryptic note said. So uh, one of our daughters uh, just thought, oh, I think I've got a clue here, and very bravely sort of managed to ease it and pull it apart. And actually inside this Christmas tree was another figure. And then if you twisted this second figure, inside this figure was a little snowman. So, what we initially thought was just a, a beautiful Christmas tree, and it was hidden underneath one of, like, almost the branches, was this very invisible seam that, if you twisted, out came another figure. And even inside that figure came a smaller snowman. And uh, what we thought was just one gift turned out to be a multifaceted gift. And in a similar way, I think we can often overlook or miss something of the beauty of the gift of salvation. So if I was to ask you, what is salvation? Perhaps some of you uh, would uh, answer, well, we are saved from our sins. We are saved from our sins, and and, and on one level this is correct, we are saved from our sins, or to use uh, more contemporary language, we are saved from the things that we do that are wrong, those things that we think, that we say, and that we do that are wrong and not in keeping with God's character. Now, more specifically, actually, we are saved, not really from our sins, but from the consequences of our sins. Because the Bible is clear that the wages of sins, the consequences of our sins, is death. So in other words, the penalty for human sin is death. And we read this in uh, the opening chapters of our Bible, the book of Genesis. We read that in the first two chapters, God created a beautiful world without sin and without death. Immortality was the plan. And yet we read that God gave this garden to Adam and Eve and then said these words. In Genesis chapter 3, we read this. The Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. You will certainly die. And as we know, Adam and Eve disobeyed that one command and ate the tree and they sinned. And as a result, death entered our world. And to this day, the wages, the consequences of human sin is death. And the Bible speaks of death in three different ways. So it speaks about the death that we often think of. It speaks about physical death, which is the separation of soul and body, the end to one's earthly life. But it also speaks of two other kinds of death. It speaks of spiritual death, which is the separation of our souls, from God. We were dead in our sins, but now made alive in Christ. And it also speaks of a third kind of death, eternal death, which is the separation of our soul and body from God for eternity. And these three deaths are all the consequences of sin. Sin's terrible, though just reward. And see, if we fail to appreciate what we're saved from, namely death, we're going to fail to appreciate the gift of salvation. It's like if someone says, I've got this medicine that I want you to take. You might be thinking, no, thank you. But if you knew what that medicine would save you from, you would be much more appreciative and much more welcoming of that. You see, the gift of salvation is that our sins are forgiven. That by believing and accepting that Jesus died upon the cross for you, and by confessing that he is Lord and Savior, you are forgiven. Jesus takes the penalty for our sin. He dies the death that we deserve. He dies in our place. And we are, to use a, a, a theological term, we are justified before God. Justified just means, just if I'd not sinned. We are made clean. We are forgiven. This is the gift of salvation. And we either accept this gift and allow Jesus to pay for our sins or we reject the gift and say, no, thank you. I want to pay that death myself. I want to pay for my own sins. You see, the consequence of sin is death. And the good news of salvation is that we don't have to suffer the death ourselves. Jesus has paid the price for our sin upon the cross. Now, for those who accept the gift of salvation, our passage says right here that Jesus has destroyed death. We've got a beautiful verse here, verse 10, that some of you might want to commit to memory. It says here, verse 10 of our passage, got the gospel within it. Our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has, number one, destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Christ Jesus has destroyed death. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is the forgiveness of sins. It means that I need not, we need not, you need not fear death. Whilst we may have to face, if Christ doesn't return, we we will have to face physical death, the separation of our soul from our body, but death has lost its sting. Death has lost its potency. Death has lost its fear. Last week I spoke about ministering to someone on their deathbed. And let me tell you, I've, I've done that many times, and there is a world of difference between someone who is a believer and someone who is fearful, someone who is confident in the face of death and someone who is going into the unknown. You see, for the for, for the loved ones that are left behind, death is incredibly painful. It is, it is a, a, a terrible wretch. We will dearly miss those who have meant so much to us and are no longer with us. We are not downplaying the pain of death. But what I'm saying is that for the faithful that have died in Christ, physical death is no death at all. It is a gateway to life with Christ, a gate- way to wait a life without pain, a life without tears, a life that we all want, a life of joy. So Christ has died for you that you might live. And this is a beautiful gift. And this is why you might think it's crazy that we're running three different alpha courses as a church because there's three different demographics and we want them all to hear the good news of Jesus. So I encourage you as a church family to get behind this in in, in praying for these young people, in praying for these adults, in praying for the Hong Kong community that they would receive the gift of eternal life. So please do be praying. Now, in one sense, a gift of salvation is a little bit like that Christmas tree yeah, that we were given for Christmas because hidden inside is actually something more. You see, salvation is forgiveness, but it's not merely forgiveness because let's return to verse 9. What's it say? God who has saved us, God who has saved us, and in the same breath, Paul says this, and called us. To a holy life, He has saved us and called us to a holy life. If salvation is first about justification, about forgiveness, salvation is also about sanctification, being made holy. Now, being made holy, uh, perhaps uh, doesn't sound like such a great. Gift. It sounds like I don't know. I, I, I just before it well, was just uh, before this service. I said, "Oh, Catherine, think of a think of a, a present that you might not want to receive." And she says a broken present, which reminded me of uh, uh, someone who, um, who 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 saw this. Um, uh, uh, broke, uh, saw this teapot and it had its handle and it was broken off and, uh, but it was in a charity shop and it was quite cheap so it was you know, only, only for a few pence so I thought that I know someone who would love that anyway they picked it up yeah and they posted it and they posted it and they posted it to their friend and their friend received it and said oh thank you so much for this lovely teapot and they said I'm really sorry yeah it seems to be broken and he says oh well I'm really sorry it must have been um, uh, broken by the postal service who's posted it to you and he says yes and it was very thoughtful of you to wrap the handle and the pot separate so um, uh, so uh, salvation, uh, sorry, uh, holiness perhaps doesn't sound like a gift that we really want to receive. Perhaps we prefer it comes with a sort of gift receipt that we can swap for something else. But I think this is to do with what our, what our idea of holiness is actually about. You see, being holy is about following God's design for our life. You know, we believe God's created it, and it's about following our Creator's design for our life. You see, I think being holy, I would say, is about being whole, about becoming the person that God wants you to be, not being weighed down with the baggage that we carry around that we know is actually no good for us, but for some reason we just seem unable to be able to put down these bags that we know are not good for us the call to holiness is actually about living life in all its fullness it's the life that Jesus promised. A call to holiness is about living life in all its fullness. You see, in our staff catch-up this week, uh, we always uh, pray together and we either you know st- we either have a time of worship together or we study a passage of scripture together. This week we happen to be studying our closer readings. And uh, as we read the closer readings, it reminded uh, Sandy um, uh, about a, a, a quote that she read in a book uh, uh, from She's given me some uh, interesting guys She doesn't know I'm going to say this. Um, it's a book that many of you will have uh, heard of, maybe read yourself. It's called A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And in it, John Mark Comer writes these words, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, we all put our hands up and say, yes, please. You have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Or to put it a different way, if you want to experience the life in all its fullness that Jesus offers, then you have to adopt the holy lifestyle that Jesus uh, lived. In Western culture, you see, we're inundated with the idea that true freedom is about throwing off our all rules and inhibitions. Uh, you know, It's about... You know, living however we want to live. But I want to ask the question today, how actually is this going for Western civilization at this moment in time? Because as I see it, we are more lonely, yeah, we are more isolated, we're more anxious, we're more divided, we're more stressed, we're more depressed than what we've ever been before. But scripture tells us that the way to true freedom is following God's way to live a holy life. That true freedom... Authentic wholeness, real joy is found in listening to our Creator. Now, I would say that we've tried our own way. Perhaps we should think about giving God a chance. So, salvation. It's not only that Christ has destroyed death. It is also that Christ has brought us life, life in all its fullness. It's not just about forgiveness, it's about life now. Let's, revert, let's go back to that verse again, verse 10, the gospel in a verse. Our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life. Salvation is about justification, it's about forgiveness. Salvation is about sanctification, God at work in our lives by his Holy Spirit, transforming us to be more and more like Jesus, helping us to live holy lives. And like that Christmas tree, the gift of salvation opens up, and it opens up a second time to reveal a third beautiful dimension of salvation. So you've got forgiveness, you've got holiness mentioned in this passage, and thirdly, in this verse, you've got mention of immortality. Verse 10, our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, who has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. You see, the gift of salvation is justification, it's sanctification, but it's also glorification, becoming like Christ, receiving new bodies and living in a new world. The gift of salvation is that we get to spend eternity with God. God is the gift at the heart of salvation, not a snowman. God is the gift at the heart of salvation, and we get to enjoy him forever. You see, whenever we talk about the gospel, we often stop too early. We talk about receiving forgiveness and living a new life, but we miss something if we stop there. within the gift of forgiveness is a gift of a new life, a new start, a a new way of living, healed relationships this side of heaven. But if you look deep inside, at the heart of salvation is the gift of God himself. Now, the theologian, pastor, and author, John Piper, puts it this way, and these are his words. John Piper writes this, or says this, "'So what forgiven?' And people might answer, well, I don't like a guilty conscience, or I don't like going to hell, or my family might be a better person if I can live as a forgiving person instead of a guilty person. Instead of saying 1 Peter 3, verse 18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. We are forgiven and justified to bring us to God, God is our treasure. God is the end. My forgiveness is not the end. My justification is not the end. My going to heaven and not having a sick body anymore is not the end. All of that is the means. The means to what? Seeing him, knowing him, loving him, being satisfied in him, and him being more glorified in me because I'm now eternally satisfied in him saints, this is the gospel, the good news of salvation. It's one of forgiveness, it's one of freedom, and it's one of joy. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 it says this, we have such a great salvation. And to end, I just want to say all of this is a free gift. It's a free gift. As verse 9 says, this wonderful gift has been given us. Why? Because we work hard, because you know we try our best. No, this wonderful gift has been given, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Think about that for a moment. Before the beginning of time, you were on God's heart. He loved you Before you you were created, he loved you. Before he created the universe, he loved you before time itself, that verse says. And it was his plan before the beginning of time to send his son to be your savior so that you can spend eternity with him. God loves you. He offers you the gift of salvation. Receive it today. What is the gospel? It is such a great salvation let 's stand we 're going to worship God, and we 're going to pray and invite god 's spirit to minister to us. before the service uh, began, we, we spent some time praying, and uh, there was two things that came up: one that we sort of need to get bolder in In proclaiming the gospel of of, of saying we're followers of jesus um, and uh, and invitations to Alpha is a wonderful way of doing this, so I just want to pray for people uh, in that respect and also um, the and the other word that came to us is that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and for some of us we are feeling weary and we need the joy of the Lord, and some of us are feeling low and we need the joy of the Lord so I'm just gonna pray for that and wherever else God wants to do so Heavenly Father we just invite your Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that loves to point people towards salvation and for anyone who has not received this gift today Lord we pray that by praying this prayer by believing in their hearts that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for their sins, and by proclaiming that he is Lord over their lives or her life, that they would know that they are saved today, that they would receive the gift of their salvation and Holy Spirit come and minister to us now. We pray for those they are fearful about proclaiming Christ, we pray that you would give us the spirit of courage. As it says in last week's passage, God did not give us a holy spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So we pray for that spirit of courage over those who need it now. And Lord, we pray also, that a Holy Spirit would bring joy, Lord. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And so we pray now for your joy to be poured out on our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask. We lift our hearts to you.